Hello everybody and welcome back to Blockchain Won't Save the World. If you couldn't tell from the intro, this episode is all about India. This is the biggest episode we've ever produced and it needs to be, as India is a country with a lot of blockchain history. There's the controversial crypto movement, a passionate startup ecosystem, state governments the size of entire nations going all in on blockchain, and the gradual transition from providing blockchain development for other nations to turning the world's largest army of tech talent towards use cases and opportunities closer to home. So let's get into it. We won't judge you for hitting that time and a half button, and in a nod to diversity, which we cover in detail later, see if you can figure out how many different regional Indian languages you can hear throughout the show. Full disclosure, some of the audio in this episode is a little sketchy, and there are some amusing background noises, but I know you'll fall in love with the Indian blockchain community after listening to this. We start with a brief history of blockchain in India, introduced by Swati Bide, IBM's Asia-Pacific blockchain leader, Sunil Sharma, the CEO at SquadX, Gokul Alex, co-founder at Gigamesh Garage Ventures, and Prasanna Lohar, head of digital at DCB Bank why it is different and unique in India is for various things. You know, the culture in general, it's, it's quite a unique country if you look at it. The average age of an Indian is around 28 years. So you can imagine it's a very young population, if I may call it. There are so many multinational tech companies that come out of India, plus the huge development centers that you have here makes the larger population more tech savvy. We have 1.3 billion as population in India, a small country like this. Ten years back, we never had an identity at all, a national identity for that matter. But in 18 months to 24 months, we actually covered the entire population in getting a similar to national identity, an Aadhaar card. It's one of the largest biometrics identity systems in the world and one of the fastest that has been executed on. I also want to call out, you know, why, because I used to do a lot of payments earlier. It's one of the best payment systems in the world because the options that you get, one is, of course, the maturity of the payment system. Second is about how much the number of options that we as customer get in doing the payments is immense. So there's many, many ways that you do a payment and customer gets the maximum benefit out of it. So technology adoption in general is very high. What I want to call out also is while on this one side, it's very tech savvy and all of that, we have a lot of other set of complexity and diversity, you know, and diverse natures. In fact, we have close to 1.3 billion subscribers in this country, out of which only 50% actually have smartphones. So any solution that you create should actually be applicable to that segment as well, because only then can you really call it as nationwide adoption. You know, there is a lot of diversity that comes, complexity that comes along with it. And what I do want to call out is the telecom blockchain network that we got in India. Out of the 1.3 billion population, approximately 800 are at any point in time active subscribers, you may call it, out of which almost 10 messages an individual gets per day. So let's put it in the bracket of eight to 10, a range of eight to 10 billion messages that you're talking about. 
But out of that, 70% of the messages are actually unsolicited. So you're talking about 7 billion of these messages that are unsolicited messages. The government tried to put in various schemes like do not disturb, which did not solve the problem. In fact, we have data that it elevated the problem and you had multiple spams and unsolicited messages coming. So the blockchain network was put in to be able to contain these messages, to maintain the privacy, to be able to have protect the consent that the individual has provided and also protect the data from the telemarketers, et cetera, so that these spams don't occur. One of the first blockchain telecom network in the world, it is probably also the only one which is purely, purely multi or hybrid cloud. It has no John IBM cloud. It has no John Azure, AWS, and data centers. It was multi-vendor. So while technology was the easy part of it, the governance of this entire consortium with multiple competitors coming together, with multi-infrastructure uh, and technology coming together, with multi-vendors being there, all of those economics in the mix makes it even more difficult. In the initial days, I mean, when we started in 2013 and 14, we very much surprised that why blockchain is not finding that rise in adoption as it should be because it has got so many use cases. Over time, what we have understood is that the existing system that is available right now and the kind of base you require for blockchain to be implemented, there is a very huge gap there. Gap in terms of training, gap in terms of knowledge, even in terms of technological prerequisites. So you can't just go on and implement blockchain anywhere. You need a base for it. You need a framework for it that is in place. So that itself is kind of lacking already. So a few startups were there initially. If I name a few, there was a blockchain startup known as Knox. There was a particular startup which was actually a cryptocurrency exchange, but it was also providing solutions, banking solution that was CoinX. So there were a few startups and processes who were actually working around this infrastructure that how to provide these enterprises and companies infrastructure which can help them implement blockchain more easily and understand its ROI perspective. On the banking side, if you see ICICI Bank actually collaborated with Ripple a few years down the line. That was an amazing project. I was a part of it. I mean, that project did good in terms of doing a proof of concept. That project actually laid the way for banking understanding of blockchain. Now, banks in India, if you talk about top banks, they actually understand blockchain now. So I think ICICI's collaboration with Ripple at that time, that was an amazing initiative that actually brought a lot of clarity in terms of on the side of enterprises. Apart from them, we ourselves actually did POC of, uh, I mean, it was one among the very first POCs in India in 2017. Back in 2017, that was done around land registry. So we collaborated with the state government in Shipuri, state of a uh, district of Madhya Pradesh. And we did a POC that actually involved 1,20,000 people who actually uploaded their documents, created their own land cards, identity systems through this platform. And uh, we could showcase to government that, yes, this is something that has got a lot of potential. But right now, the challenges, the knowledge gap barrier, the training gap, they are kind of making this process costly for the enterprises right now. And startups or early stage businesses need to focus on that, that how quickly they can bring that understanding of blockchain on the other side of the business to enterprises, to government and to large corporations. I would say the Indian blockchain journey started from the fringes of our technocrats and uh, uh, the activists towards the mainstream. That's 
the way I look at the evolution of Indian blockchain ecosystem. In the early days, I remember during the early 2010 to 12 period, there was a lot of interest in cryptography. There was a lot of interest in cybersecurity. There was a lot of interest in operating systems, Linux, and open source software development in C, C++, Python. So the Indian free software developer ecosystem has been the fertile ground for all that wonders that we are seeing in the blockchain technology today. So if you look at some of the pioneers in the blockchain journey in India, some of them were coming from a really sophisticated fintech background. Some of them were coming with deep economics background. And some of us were coming from technology background. But we didn't talk about the concepts of decentralization or distributed systems very actively. Maximum we were talking about is open source, cryptography, and cybersecurity. But this was not the way many of the other evangelists were introduced. Some of them were introduced who were working in the space of economics, like people like Sunil Agarwal. They were introduced in the economic side of decentralization. And then there were others who got acquainted to the paradigm of cryptocurrency from the beginning itself like they went directly into cryptocurrency exchanges. So this time around, when we are learning this technology, uh, we were pretty much sure this should come into the mainstream. So whatever we did, we tried to educate the resources within companies and organizations and academia about this new technology. And that was not something isolated. We were seeing similar movements across the world. Everywhere in YouTube, we were seeing passionate, uh, presentations from Ethereum engineers and evangelists talking about the technology. And the pioneers like Andrea Santinopoulos, their books were really like, you know, inspiring for us to learn more about decentralization and podcasts like Epic Center really helped me to get connected with the people who are pioneering this movement. The fascinating thing was there was very good awareness even though the striking contradiction is on one side, we see a lot of awareness and the other side, we see a lot of misunderstanding and mystifications and hypes around this technology. And hence, this was a really good time. The time between 2018 to 20 was a good time for constructive conversations. When I worked with the government, the experience was very much striking. The senior government officials, civil servants, they had very good understanding of this technology. More than the understanding they also had, their own perspectives, where this technology could be used. And they wanted to clearly demarcate the cryptocurrency aspect and the technology aspect. In 2018, when one of the states in India deployed blockchain, I remember that was a very rudimentary implementation using blockchain just as a distributed database. But in 2019, when another government wanted to do a multi-cloud, hybrid cloud blockchain sandbox with interoperability between Hyperledger, Corda, and Ethereum Quorum, that was really a greater acceptance for large-scale blockchain experiments within the government. Likewise, we have seen National Payment Corporation looking forward for a 
high scalable blockchain use case implementation for payment systems that was again a really ambitious and audacious goal india has a backbone systems are ready any country when we start their blockchain journey they will start struggling in looking at how do i communicate from one company to another company or how do i talk to one bank to another bank so that way i think as far as the banking is concerned i'm proud to say that we are equity the upi kind of ecosystem which wherein multiple banks more than banks are connected we are connected on a centralized kyc wherein if i want to implement blockchain in a kyc kind of a stuff tomorrow i can really start that implementation or most important thing digital identity any country can be a powerful country if they have a very good digital identity system any of the use case for india we can build so that is the first thing which i can say Uh, we are as a country we are equipped with a very good ecosystem backend system where blockchain can come and ride on that ecosystem properly blockchain bishwar samasta samasyaro samadhana nahi so let's talk about how blockchain is being used in india today it's a real mix and to take us through it we've got debajani mahanti celebrated author and self sovereign identity lead at my earth id rajesh dudu blockchain and cybersecurity leader at Tech Mahindra, Kamlesh Nagware, CTO at Snapper Future Tech, and a re-up from Gokul and Prasanna. In India, the crypto is totally banned. So hence, if somebody is working in crypto, they're doing it maybe with some of their partners outside India. If we talk about anything that is getting developed within the country, for the country, then it is blockchain and no crypto. the state of telangana it's actually a state in the uh, south in india it seems to be the leader among all so they are perhaps the first who did a pilot blockchain solution to register land records telangana government is also trying to create blockchain based voting system and the government is also collaborating with the tech mahindra to launch blockchain district accelerator program so that they can educate a lot of uh, developers and get them involved in these programs tamil nadu is the southern state of india and uh, it's also high on blockchain tamil nadu becomes the first state to unveil um, artificial intelligence blockchain cybersecurity policies in the country this state is uh, soon starting a digital identity uh, based service delivery project which will bring revolution to the way government services are offered to citizens eliminating the need for citizens to request the government to citizen services so this is pretty similar to what australia and singapore are doing so in australia and singapore you might have heard that uh, they are using decentralized identity for each and every uh, citizen so the citizens can log in through their mobile devices using their decentralized identity and their biometrics and they would be certified by the government so once they are certified by the government there would be many other third parties or maybe the other departments within within the government they would let them access their data online so karnataka is also uh, doing a lot of work on property registration the department uh, of promotion of industry and international trade under the ministry of commerce and industry government of india is launching blockchain based verification system certificates for startups so this is pretty similar to what canada is doing at the moment i also hope that india's uh, personal data act bill or pdpb 
once it is approved, there would be a huge requirement for decentralized identity and the need of sharing personal data with privacy and security being intact. So I think that self-sovereign identity has also got a huge future in India in coming days. Some of the use cases which I will talk about blockchain, which I'll keep proud of, uh, is that uh, Uttar Pradesh government is coming up with some solar coins. So, for example, uh, trading of uh, solar energy. Telangana government, which is going to come up with uh, already started work around creating a blockchain virtual district. So, everything will happen on blockchain. Your payments, transactions, your parking, everything will happen on that uh, blockchain ecosystem. There are many companies in India are doing a lot of research and that is helping whole ecosystem for next level of blockchain. Say example, IDRBT. IDRBT, which is RBI's arm, they want to create a blockchain platform only for banks. I'm also one of the part of that blueprint. They don't want to rely on Hyperledgers or Ethereum or R3 or they want to rely on that provided their blueprint meets their requirement. That kind of uh, agenda or aspiration is there for a company like Ribbit. So Ribbit, which is another arm, just like NPCI is an arm of RBI. Ribbit has an agenda to create a backbone ecosystem for APIs. The way it has happened in European Union, PSG2. Similar thing, so I think the way I'm interacting with them, they are quite interested into how can we utilize blockchain into next level. There could be some challenge of incentivization. There could be some challenge of the governance because I think we should implement on this ready ecosystem blockchain. Uh, another ecosystem like METI, IOC, and NETI, they have lot, done a lot of pilots into pharmaceutical ecosystems and so on. Uh, some use cases, which are production use cases like um, Bajaj Finance, they have done some kind of insurance with the JIT. Uh, at DCB, we have done something with ATM chain, wherein whenever you're opening ATM, right, it requires some passwords. So, until password generation, till utilization or expiry, what traceability we are managing at a, at a blockchain level. So in the enterprise players, uh, there are two segments. One is the uh, big players like IBM, we know, Accenture, we know, Tech Mahindra, Infosys, TCS. And there is a large, large set of startups like Snapper Future Tech, like Ironworks, like Infinichains. There are 200 plus startups. And interesting, the, not the IT companies or the IT startups, even the Ford forwarder in company me in Mumbai joined the Trade Lens project. So interestingly, those kind of companies who are not related to the any kind of IT strategy in, in the past, for example, waste management companies, is a purely supply chain or some kind of waste pickers and the aggregator and those kind of companies. They are now thinking about the blockchain and adding the blockchain is a digital strategy for because nowadays grants accept all the aggregator and waste management companies to be follow some kind of standard and regularization because the carbon zero carbon emission is the goal of all the companies nowadays. So those kind of use cases are discussed and companies who are not the tech savvy understand those importance. And in in instead of future tech, we have a couple of inquiries and even the with all the three, four with different waste management companies to helping them to implement the blockchain for their waste management processes and uh, bring the trust and transparency in their aggregation and the segregation of that waste management. Interestingly, the all big four consulting companies, KPMG, EY, Deloitte, part of the different state government or central governments to be implement the blockchain and maybe consulting the state governments. And central government is also main player here. Uh, because they didn't know that uh, 
center of excellence so recently government of india the ministry of electronics and it started one center of excellence to promote the blockchain startup the national payments corporation of india which pioneered innovation in payments like uh, unified payment interface the upi stack uh, which is also called as the india stack on which a lot of financial products have been invented purely from a peer-to-peer payments or a small ticket payments from a peer-to-merchant perspective. They are also leveraging blockchain more so from an internal usage perspective. These guys work with a multitude of banks, multitude of merchants, and a multitude of uh, retail consumers. And in payment, as you know, there are different legs from a payment perspective. So there is a payment initiation, there is a payment authorization, then there is a payment settlement. So the National Payments Corporation of India realized with the burgeoning traffic from a payments perspective, their settlement times are becoming of a longer duration. And if they don't settle that across a cross-section of uh, banks, or a cross-section of merchants, there could be disputes at a later point of time. And those disputes have to be settled through expensive mechanisms like reconciliation, which requires a lot of manual effort. So they have implemented enterprise blockchain purely within National Payments Corporation of India to primarily reduce the settlement time. You know, I've seen in terms of benefits accruing to them, wherein pre-blockchain, the settlement times were, were of a matter of about few hours to up to 24 hours. Now, after blockchain, that settlement time got crunched to less than five minutes. The decentralized finance wave really took India by storm. The early pioneers in the startup ecosystem in India, like Matic Network, Marlin Protocol, the cryptocurrency exchanges like SEPPAY, for example, Matic became a great app economy or a platform economy. They are doing much more wider contribution to the global Ethereum engineering ecosystem. The contribution from some of the startups in blockchain security audits in India, basically their ability to audit Ethereum, EOS, and other protocols, that is phenomenal. A lot of international DeFi products and uh, a lot of blockchain protocols have been audited from India. I'm not sure how much of those stories have come out in public. That's something, if there was a better visibility to it, it would have been great. Blockchain mure jag As you know, this show is all about the culture, and it wouldn't be a Blockchain Won't Save the World episode without a deep dive into the origin of the India blockchain community. Your guides are Richard Joshi, co-founder of the Ethereum push notification service, Kalyan Kulkarni, CEO of Ironworks, and a little more from Kamlesh, Gokul, and Rajesh. The first category would be, you know, the top projects that are already sort of mainstream in crypto in India, projects like Vazirx, Polygon, Matic. Now these projects, they have mass user base. Next, I think, would be a lot of innovation that is coming out of India. So a lot of uh, young projects uh, like ours, Huddle, DeFi Dollar, Dapless. So all these projects are working on very different use cases in blockchain. Some are addressing decentralized protocols, notifications, or decentralized videos. And I think amongst us, we definitely always talk to each other. I think every day we are talking to a new project within India, just seeing how the synergies meet or sort of even guiding, advising each other, right? And I think the next set would be a lot of educators in India. 
as well as content creators, marketers. The beautiful thing over here is that, you know, in like last year, we've reached out to a lot of people and they've been so humble and so nice to share the story that we have. So storytelling, I think, has been amazing for us personally, and I think a lot of other people as well. A big piece of the thing, the Indian blockchain space is around telling the story. Folks like Namish on Coin Crunch India, Musharraf, Sindhu. So all these people have really helped tell the story of young entrepreneurs, people who are like, you know, just getting started and even a lot of projects that have sort of made it in the global sort of stage. And finally, then there's the crypto community in general, which has always been very supportive and at the same time, very, very, very opinionated when it comes to sharing the feedback about a project. They will tell you that they don't like a feature or they would want it differently. In general, I think these are the main players and these are the main categories of the community that we see in India. Like any other country, right? Blockchain actually started knocking the doors through the cryptocurrencies in the early days. If I look at 2015 onwards for 2015, 16, 17, India was still not that familiar with the blockchain technology. Last three and a half years or so, we have suddenly started seeing a lot of traction. Many companies adopting to this blockchain technology stack, learning it, getting it on the floor, and implementing solutions for the customers, mainly global customers, uh, by using a technology stack. Rather. So now the community is doing a lot of active contributions there. As a development community, I, I can tell you one more thing that uh, right from the beginning, so these meetups have been running around from August 2016 as latest. So the, the community is now developed over the last few years is very vibrant and has a very heterogeneous uh, demographics from students to entry-level interns, to developers, to architects, to technology managers, and all those people being also latching into the technology very much. Now. Tier 1, Tier 2 service provider companies also have set up their own CEOs now in India, specialized into developing blockchain-based solutions. So that's, that's what we see. It's a flourishing era now in India for the blockchain community. Actually, the government of India has opened up for the community to bring suggestions on a national blockchain strategy. And I see we being part of, I being part of that community as well. We are seeing active contribution from the community members, veterans who are actually working from last five, six years in blockchain, to developers, to various players in the, in the stack, coming forward and giving their suggestions, their inputs to the strategy as to how should India's national blockchain strategy should look like. That is a big step taken by the community. The startup community is all, always great in every country in the latest technologies. So in blockchain, in India, 250 plus startup in the crypto and DeFi space, 200 plus startups in enterprise blockchain. And government initiatives, because India is a democratic country, we have different state governments. So every state government are piloting and implementing the different blockchain in the, someone using in the land registry, some identity management, healthcare, even the central government recently announced the national blockchain strategy is a national blockchain infrastructure to promote and advance the technology adoption. And the startups mainly working in use cases like agriculture, renewable energy, healthcare, educational credential. So even my company where I work, Institute of Future Tech, we have educational credential solution, healthcare credential solution. And currently we are working with one of our customers uh, in the renewable energy, even that customer is from the Europe, but they are implementing the renewable energy project in India, because in, in India, in two states, Gujarat and uh, Uttar Pradesh, we have a huge megawatt energy creation by this 
solar grids the great success stories are the network like matrix or the experiments like marlin protocol in the blockchain scalability and one fascinating story is the education ecosystem created by hyperledger especially fabric hyperledger community has done an amazing job in india it has created chapters all across india it has connected lot of academia corporates lot of startups and that has been a great story so basically during the era of ico the country had not more than 100 people who were gifted in blockchain coding or who were capable of coming up with what we call as the decentralized apps at least in the finance and the payment industry but now in the era of enterprise blockchain it's definitely in the era of enterprise blockchain in india india will have probably 10000 or maybe 20000 trained people it's not a major number when you compared to the overall it workforce in india but definitely a significant forward movement compared to only few hundred people 2 to 3 years ago blockchain lokate rakshikugilla we've heard a lot about startups and in india as we've seen if you get the product and technology right you can achieve instant scale Gaurav Samwashni tells us about the humble history of the AgroTrust platform and the potential of agritech innovations. And Krishnan Mohan gives a contrasting perspective on the role of the Blockchain Center of Excellence from his work as a DLT leader at Bosch. So the beginning of AgroTrust is very important to understand the story. I while I was working for the Indian government, I realized that the best way to ensure dissemination of the knowledge of blockchain would be just by sharing the experience of what this new technology can bring and let the domain experts themselves tell you that what could or what cannot happen i was conducting a series of workshops all over india just to explain the basics the core concept the history and the, how everything works it was basically i was presenting a hotel menu card to the people and because the people in front of me know the domain much better than myself Uh, there is no point in having any presumptions and telling them how to do their work rather just explaining to them presenting to them a hotel menu card that these are the different properties of blockchain if anything suits your diet then we can definitely work on that so prior to 2 years ago i had absolutely no background in agriculture no involvement in agriculture as well but then uh, everything changed with just one workshop that i did for the farmers in nashik i conducted the workshop in the regional language of marathi and after those two days i had primary interactions with one of the most famous indian farmers and now a businessman mr vilash shinde it was he who told me what if we use blockchain like he painted out the problems which he already knew that he's been solving since the past 25 years of his farming experience and then i was so excited along with my friends that we just decided that we need to leave our job and begin working over here so the problem primarily that we face with indian agriculture is the small land holding now a small land holding in the indian farmer who is the largest demographic but exploitation of the small land holding indian farmer is an age old story which has been happening relentlessly now the farmers themselves started organizing together and in 2003 there was a provision by, by the indian government to make farmer producer companies basically it's an arrangement where only farmers can be the owners as well as stakeholders of the company anyone else from outside a non farming person cannot become a stakeholder uh, it's different from a private limited company in the sense that regardless of your land holding or share holding everyone has an equal voting right 
So such a unique hybrid and democratized structure, a farmer producer company, then seemed like a really suitable solution for small land holdings that farmers can just come together, invest collectively, and then start reaping the benefits of scale. And today there are close to 8,000 farmers who are, it is India's largest farmer producer company. And what happens is when farmers come together, the dependency upon the government subsidies or the dependency upon uh, the middlemen, all of that vanishes. They can directly hit the market through the retail chain or their own endpoints and start reaping the value. So basically what AgroTrust does is digitizing the entire agro value chain. But at the same time, we just custom made to the Indian scenario where we are trying to educate the Indian consumer that by just scan the QR code and if the, let's say, price that you're paying to buy 50 rupees worth of vegetable. It could be, let's say, broccoli. Out of those 50 rupees, how much is going to which farmer? If that could be shown, then that would be a real game changer. Because if you see traceability has been a Western concept where it has more or less been in place to satisfy the curiosity of the consumer, to placate his needs, to know whether the food has been procured in safe conditions or not. What if we also show financial transparency? Because that is the need of the hour when it comes to the Indian agriculture. With such controversies of the farm laws and minimum support price and government laws in place, what we also need is first the basic awareness that the consumers should know that whatever they are paying, what is happening with the money being paid. So that is one of the things that AgroTrust does. So far, we have printed more than 2 million QR codes and all of them are encoded with this information. So basically, at the Center of Excellence here in Bosch, we work on two different streams, right? I think there is a small team which primarily involved in product and platform development. This is what we call it as an advanced engineering team. And at the Center of Excellence, we primarily focus on a little bit of innovation and research, right? It is not still purely a research, it is still an applied research. And of course, on the innovation. So when I mean innovation, I look at things on how to enable and commercialize uh, leveraging such an emerging technology like blockchain. Particularly, uh, some of our focus areas in the center of excellence has been on the scalability side of blockchain. We look into the layer two protocols. We look into different privacy enabling technologies like zero knowledge proofs, homomorphic encryptions. And of course, uh, for a deeper understanding of the underlying ledger protocols, we conduct lots of research at the protocol level by having large-scale test pits. So Center of Excellence acts like a backbone for the engineering team to enable and then give them assets uh, through which they can basically build their business case upon. So that's what basically the setup is. One of the most well-known use cases is in the area of electric vehicle charging. The use case is about imagining an electric car as a player in the network uh, and the car and the electric charging pole is interacting with each other, right? This is a very futuristic use case, but this, this is one of the use cases which is well known. Apart from that, if I have to speak about a use case which we have tied in India, which is a domestic use case, is basically an anti-counterfeit solution, which has been done for one of our, our own products because Boss is one of the largest automotive supplier for many OEMs. We are producing lots of parts which are going and sitting in the car and then the counterfeit products is one of the 
major burning problem, especially in the Asia Pacific region, also including in India. So we have tried out a pilot for an Indian automotive supplier plant, uh, which basically tracks the provenance of a particular product, which basically uh, get the journey of a product completely in blockchain, bringing together the suppliers, the logistics providers, and then establishing the provenance of the journey. Blockchain ulagattai padagakkadu. Whether we like it or not, governments play a significant role in the future of blockchain technology. And India is on the cusp of a government-led acceleration of interest and investment in this space. We hear more from Swati, Raj Kapoor, founder of the India Blockchain Alliance, Ishan Roy, head of blockchain at the Tamil Nadu e-governance agency, and Srinivas Mahankali from the National Institute for Smart Government and a prolific author on the topic of blockchain. You know, if I just compare with, for example, Dubai, or some of those countries that have been much faster in blockchain adoption is fact that the encouragement of a technology like this also has to come from the government at the national level. I think not that the government has said, we don't want to do blockchain, but that push that you need to enable at every level to adopt blockchain is something that we still have to work on. The other area clearly where work has to be done is in regulations and policies. They also have to be in place to be able to protect the consumers of the technology. The government took out a blockchain strategy document. That is the first indication that the government has taken, you know, has taken cognizance of blockchain from a serious perspective. Before that, they were just trying with a lot of things. There were a lot of bills. Everything was still crypto-centric rather than blockchain-centric. The blockchain-centric era started about a year and a half back, I would say. Last when this first document came out, it was taken out by an organization called the Niti Aayog, and the Niti Aayog is the government of India's think tank. And that's where I think a lot of things started extrapolating. First, it gave people a vision. Well, blockchain is not just for Bitcoin transactions. There is much more to blockchain than financial transactions or digital transfers. The document articulated multiple areas, multiple sectors where the government can actually be of use and they would use blockchain in those areas. So the sectors were identified. Some of the processes were identified in that document. Let's fast forward a year now. Jan 2021, India's blockchain roadmap was published by another government ministry of electronics and information technology. It brings not just Bitcoin, but blockchain back in the limelight. So this second document took on from where the first document left off and actually identified actual projects. They articulated all the projects which are going on, and there are about 80, 90 projects going on in 14 different states right across the country, all blockchain. Again, okay, focus on the areas of speciality and especially what India needs from a blockchain perspective, whether it was talent, there was capabilities, infrastructure, you name it. Tamil Nadu is one of the largest states in India, and it's also one of the most progressive states. So you have a large internet penetration, you have a large number of people who own smartphones, and we have a population of over 80 million. So this very visionary gentleman called Mr. Santosh Mishra, he was building this team of emerging technology specialists from the industry who could work with the government. He had this visionary idea that instead of focusing on 
POCs or instead of focusing on single applications, maybe we should look at developing a platform for the government. Maybe we should build this network that all government bodies and departments can connect to and build applications on top. And then subsequently, you open it up to the private sector as well so that they don't run into this problem of forming the consortium. Because if you think about it, when a regulator lays a platform and it tells the industry or the sector that is regulating that you need to follow this norm, everyone gets onto the platform because that's the law. So they have to abide by the rules. So I felt that the best way for this technology to be adopted in mass and the best place for me to work would be with the regulator. Towards the end of last year, we released our first blockchain policy document. So we call it Tamil Nadu Blockchain Policy 2020. What it does is that it focuses on three things. The first thing is obviously building this platform across departments, across agencies, and then allowing private sector and startups to come and build applications on top of this network or this common stack. Second is it focuses on building the ecosystem around this backbone because if you have a platform and no one understands how the platform works or they don't have access to APIs to build their applications or they don't know how they can work with you, what kind of applications they can do, the platform is a waste. So the second thing we are focusing on is building this ecosystem. And the last is that we are focusing on capacity building and awareness in the government, right? So we want to inform the government, industry leaders, how blockchain can revolutionize the businesses they are running today. So what kind of use case they can look forward to. At the same time, while we are doing that, we are being very careful not to buy into any hype. So we only want to focus on areas where blockchain can really help. We don't want to do blockchain just for the sake of doing blockchain. Each state in, in uh, India is equal to some, you know, a lot of countries in uh, other places. So the, the, the what I'm proud about is the way the governments are, you know, are trying to win the hearts of the people and the uh, users and participants and then implement it uh, rather than trying to, uh, you know, enforce and uh, make people uh, to follow by, uh, uh, you know, hook or crook what they like. So wherever you can see, they, the progress has been very slow in India. In the past two, three years, you can see so many types of applications being piloted, a lot of work is happening sporadically. But once in, in successful in one place, of course, it could be multiplied across uh, you know, 10 times, 20 times uh, to all of the states at the national level. But uh, the India, Indian government is, uh, uh, you know, very, very, very calculatedly approaching these projects without talking too much about the term called blockchain or, or whatever could create some sort of issues or uh, in the minds of the people. Uh, you know, for example, you have seen Dubai, they said, okay, everybody will be on the blockchain. Estonia, everybody will be on the blockchain. They make blockchain as a big buzzword. But in India, uh, they implement uh, blockchain applications under the hood without talking about blockchain for whatever it is worth taking the real benefits and let the people feel the benefits of it rather than uh, push it through. That sort of sensitive approach which is required for blockchain is what is being adopted by Indian government. And that is what I'm very, very proud about. And we have to talk a little bit about crypto. With much of India's blockchain heritage anchored in crypto and exchanges, and the real threat of a permanent national crypto ban, Richa, Nyana Lakshmi, and Vinod Kashyap help to break down the current state of play. I do feel that in this climate of 
regulations and blockchain and crypto. And it's again, a very closely related to the crypto and the blockchain space, but it's more like a bigger initiative and a bigger message that is around the India wants crypto or, you know, the India wants Bitcoin sort of initiatives that a lot of people, a lot of prominent influencers, technology founders, and visionaries are running like Balaji Srinivasan and Nishkal Shetty, who sort of want to understand and want the government as well to have that conversation, the rational discussion around making sure that we uh, adopt the technology, we support and back it in the right way and have more regulation and a proper framework to make sure that there's more adoption and there's more innovation that comes out of India. That's a great story. It's really important to make sure that, you know, India becomes the next Silicon Valley or it becomes like the next big tech hub. That's one of the things that I keep hearing a lot and I closely follow as well. Every state government is doing their bit. But I think right now in the recent times, because of the crypto trading becoming uh, extremely popular for a short period of time, there was a ban on crypto trading in India as well. I think that kind of brought about a different uh, attitude change that there was this apprehension whether this technology is going to last longer or not. Because for uh, the people, uh, cryptocurrencies act like the face of blockchain for the majority of the people, right? That's what they understand first because money greater than everything. We did reach a peak and now we are at the downward slide where things are probably not that great. Uh, Though there is some development happening, I think there is still some speculation in terms of uh, how government is going to bring in the regulations. The future of a lot of projects lie on what kind of decisions that government takes right now. When we reached the peak, there were a lot of crypto startups, there were a lot of blockchain startups in the space. But now that we have reached down, these startups have now started working in a little bit of a stealth mode or, you know, just waiting with apprehension to see what's happening. As far as CBDC is concerned, there's, you know, they have not made any announcement on a launch of a CBDC in India. So at the moment, much information is not available. But since the bill is there, which allows CBDC, in fact, the former finance secretary of India who has, you know, who has drafted this bill, he was particularly in favor of CBDC only. And the same bill has been introduced in parliament after one year. You know, so they are without any change. So it seems the government also or the think tank in the government, they are also favoring a cryptocurrency, which is issued by the Central Bank of India. Blockchain With over 4 million software developers in India, there's a huge amount of potential talent to put towards the advancement of blockchain technology. Rajesh, Richa, Krishnan and Raj tell us more about why we haven't yet seen the tipping point on the supply side of blockchain talent as yet. In terms of the blockchain talent initially, uh, when blockchain began and the cryptocurrency period or the era of uh, cryptocurrency, era of ICOs, that was the point of time when we didn't have much of talent in uh, blockchain. I know a few of the entrepreneurs leverage talent in the European countries because you had a lot of uh, cryptocurrency experts or the coders in the cryptocurrency space in those kind of countries. But when enterprise blockchain started to gain traction in India, 
a lot of people started looking at blockchain as a serious career option see ultimately when you look at skills and technical skills in developing blockchain application it's a compendium of various skills right whether it is c c++ javascripting node js python and various other skill sets so it's not that we don't have people who are not trained in these kind of skill sets there are people in india who are trained in these kind of skill sets but they have not looked at blockchain as a career with a lot of seriousness before but now with so much of advent in the enterprise applications and many many companies both from an it perspective and also from an end user perspective enterprises internalizing many blockchain applications uh, then the workforce also started realizing that there could be a serious career opportunity in the blockchain space so they they started leveraging the prior experience in these tech stacks and then started investing time in terms of developing uh, blockchain applications either on their own or by joining a company where there are blockchain projects and by virtue of that we were able to build a good amount of workforce i wouldn't say a significant amount of workforce but at least to put numbers in perspective during the ico era probably india would have had maybe few hundreds of people who were talented in developing blockchain applications india definitely has about 10 to 20000 coders india is a really young vibrant country and blockchain only took a lot of traction in the last year or so but i think before that we have been in the advantage because we have gained that knowledge of the previous tech that was already in across the world in terms of you know the web 2 applications and the tech stack so we mostly focused around the service sector when it came to web 2 and that's when we became sort of service providers uh, you know you see a lot of indian startups back in like a couple of years back that they were more service providers than sort of more core contributors or core innovators to say but i think that itself has given us a distinct advantage when it comes to knowing how the different tech stacks work what are the weaknesses what are the advantages and the engineering skills that we then acquired has really helped us sort of place india in a strategic point wherein now that the transition or that bridging from web 2 to web 3 is happening the skills or the basic core concepts are right there you just sort of have to change or switch to a different language i feel that a lot of people in india are picking up different pieces that were that are missing in the current blockchain space and sort of working on it because the skills that engineering skills they already had and they have identified what needs to be worked on and are currently innovating on that so i think it's a mix of both that you know prior experience and also sort of the ability to identify your area of expertise in blockchain and kind of merging them both so i think that's the key and the core thing that puts india in a strategic position when it comes to innovating and bridging the talent from web 2 to web 3 i think india is also well known for the software talent there are enough engineers coming out from the top universities from india but uh, i would say this landscape especially the the blockchain landscape it's still evolving um if i have to name a particular recent initiative which is very successful is from a community called blockchain india there is a 100 days of code initiative 
which basically encouraged uh, students in academia to embrace this new technology the journey of blockchain to be one of the top 3 choices for students and academia is still a long journey right i think now after a decade of journey i think now it's like ai has become very popular it has been like democratized not only in the industry but also in in academia and universities but there are very very young and fresh minds who are also keenly interested in this blockchain especially for us we are engaging with lots of academia for example in the past uh, there were lots of sessions uh, even personally i was involved in traveling across many universities and top universities in india where we go and conduct lots of free sessions right or to just to get the awareness from the students uh, i mean uh, also from the student side if i have to say the introduction to blockchain is still uh, with the popular ones like bitcoin right the cryptos the exchanges the bitcoin is the one which is still acting as an the interesting part for the students in academia but behind the scenes how this technology can you know do uh, and bring decentralization to so lots of stuff is still a very very difficult part to explain to and get into the academia and students there are lots of research which is happening slowly slowly it is also on the rise if i look at the nature of the blockchain technology it is also i would say an incremental innovation right it is it is sitting in the top of and well known technologies like crypto uh, cryptography distributed systems cyber security blockchain is basically a combination of all this so for the lack of at the moment talent we basically look at people who are of course self interested in this technology but also look at people who has a background of let's say any of these right um with a programming uh, background we can just train them and that's what is basically uh, the journey towards so we have a lot of challenges cultural social economical personal and most important ego i believe ego plays a very very important part in whatever we do a lot of people say all right i know everything in blockchain and no one knows everything in blockchain they're still evolving i mean within for 9 years i'm learning every day i learn from youngsters i learn from experienced guys i learn from americans australians britishers i learn from everybody i'm I, i'm a sponge this is a missing problem in most people in our country they don't want to be a sponge they feel all right if i know this i'm good so ego needs to be put one side you need to embrace new technologies the way a proper embraces not just a precursory hug it's got to be really completely so we got to embrace technology the way we should now it's changing 3 years back it wasn't there now it's changing a lot of people are saying okay let me add blockchain to my portfolio it'll make me more empowered that was never there a year and a half back that's how things work it works just like a marriage you marry somebody you don't get rid of your friends you enjoy everything you enjoy your friends you enjoy your girlfriends you enjoy being with your wife your kids your space in your heart should grow larger and larger the same way in technology you should be able to absorb more and more blockchain prapanchanni kaapadaledu academia is regularly mentioned as a contributor to inspiring young people and tech talent as well as fostering important blockchain research we hear from kalyan sandeep shukla a professor at the indian institute of technology alongside nyana and prasanna about how universities and community led education initiatives are advancing blockchain knowledge in india 
I can say that there is a lot of awareness now that is brought by academia. Academia in India is pretty much governed by the central authorities, right? The way it's structured is that the Union Grants Commission, which is the central body, which governs the entire universities across India, which actually then control the colleges and all of that, they are pretty much centralized authorities. But the colleges, the universities, which are autonomous in their own, probably have started taking that inside of how blockchain can be used by them in terms of issuing certifications on blockchain, getting verifications done, all of that, they can leverage. So there is a lot of awareness coming out. In pockets, some of the universities have already started using blockchain to solve some of their inherent problems. We actually are working one of the autonomous university wherein we have implemented a blockchain-based solution for them to use the solution for uh, tracking the entire students in the campus, issuing them some beneficial programs, certificates, and all of that in their own. So we see a very positive offset now. Probably we'll have to wait for six months down the line to see at least some of the mainstream universities or colleges and academias to start using blockchain technology in their own country. Unfortunately, in academia also, the experts in blockchain is scarce. Getting academia take the lead is not going to work too much uh, because uh, very few blockchain experts, probably not more than four, five, six blockchain experts in uh, whole of Indian academia, you know, the uh, Hyperledger Foundation or things like that has to come forward. So some initial investment may be required to actually bring the education, the awareness and the technology, uh, you know, expertise level to some extent uh, so that then later on it bears fruit. But most Indian companies don't do those kind of funding at all. They actually uh, want something, uh, a product out of academia, which usually eventually doesn't work very well in most cases. I think that there has been a number of different uh, organizations, uh, different institutes, which has been doing some things in blockchain, but they mostly are looking at in a very uh, looking at it at a very academic level. For example, uh, looking at the security of the crypto in blockchain or uh, consensus protocol. So we actually also have been doing some work. Our main workhorse has been uh, Hyperledger. We have implemented many alternative consensus mechanisms. We have a partner, kind of an academic partner in the Indian Institute of Information Technology, which is uh, in Allahabad. They have been looking at the IoT ecosystem how to provide identity to IoT devices uh, with blockchain. Understanding of blockchain in Indian academia has been pretty, uh, I would say, fragmented. For example, we heard from one of the government agencies that uh, some academic came to give a talk on blockchain to them, mostly spoke about Bitcoin. And then uh, when they mentioned about land record, his opinion was, how do you transfer ownership of a land unless the owner itself agrees to give up his bitcoins to somebody else. That's not how land records work. So there has been some misunderstanding uh, in terms of what blockchain is all about and what's the difference between blockchain uh, 3.0 generation of blockchains versus uh, 1.0 generation of blockchain, uh, which is exemplified by bitcoins. Still, there, there is a huge, um, I guess, impedance mismatch between government, between uh, technology companies, large technology companies, uh, startups, 
academia and it's like everybody is looking at blockchain as a as if like six blind men are trying to figure out an elephant apart from that uh, one of the initiatives that we are doing quite recently uh, as a part of the near india guild is this initiative called india learns blockchain so what we are doing as a part of this initiative is creating material educational material on blockchain and translating it into multiple indian languages so for example the material that is doing rounds right now infographics is some questions about the basics of blockchain like what is a blockchain what are transactions in blockchain what is a cryptocurrency what kind of data can be stored on the blockchain so these are some basic things that everybody needs to know if they want to get into the technology space we are translating this into multiple languages so right now we have chosen about 6 uh, to 7 indian languages and each of these questions have an answer with uh, associated with it and we are creating infographics out of this in multiple indian languages and circulating it over social media so the idea is to encourage people to learn about blockchain and remove this barrier which is you know the language or the discomfort that um, you know they are not familiar because they don't understand a particular language or or the jargons rather in a particular language right trying to simplify that for the indian audience i am planning to expand it to even um, you know what are nfts infographics about different blockchains like uh, how does near protocol work or how does algorand work etc and as a campaign we are also encouraging folks to participate in this campaign by creating their own videos in their native local uh, indian language and share it on social media tagging us and uh, we will incentivize the best of the content that is created every college is now talking about blockchain as a one of those technology to be learned by students what is happening these days is that suppose i am a graduate after graduation i am looking out for those blockchain courses so say example there are some companies like upgrad or talent sprint or uh, there are some companies like idea labs or kerala blockchain academy or uh, sofocol or mits there are specialized courses of blockchain india are available and uh, primarily say example i am a poor student or i am i cannot afford blockchain to learn right so that kind of a facility is yet to come so recent education policy talks a lot about ai and i think similarly when national strategy will come in india they will primarily will talk about academy as a one part so inherently i think i think i must have done many sessions in many colleges and one of the agenda i speak about how they should start blockchain as a education just like i have a computer uh, networks or operating system or a database management system as a subject why not to have a dlt or a blockchain kind of a subject and many colleges are now adopting it as a optional subject that's how the journey i think 3 years before or 4 years it was very difficult to find a, what is meant by blockchain i think even on a linkedin there were very few people were talking about uh, blockchain in 2015 16 i think today i think i think it has become very very easy now and now post pandemic most of the students and most of the academy are shifting their gears from physical education to uh, online education that makes very easy for learning this technology so i think there has to be some course or some kind of uh, guidance where influencers like you me and can come together and really tell what is meant by blockchain for what purpose okay you are a developer you could be become blockchain developer you are an architect you should learn about how to architect a blockchain solution how to design solution blockchain duniya ko nahi bachayega 
And what of diversity in the technology and blockchain sectors in India? You've heard many of the outstanding female voices on the show today, but what's their take on where we stand in 2021? You'll hear more from Debajani, Richa, Nyana and Swati. If you see the top 30 blockchain influencers in India, there, there has a recently been published. So there are only three women who make to the list and like one of them is me. But then you may wonder that why the number is so less. That means three in 30 means 10%. However, there are uh, at least five women whom I know are doing wonder and very nice innovative work in blockchain and crypto space. And it's not easy to compare one with another because our working areas are widely different. One is Susmita Roos, who is a scientist and associate professor in India Statistical Institute in Kolkata. Um, I have read many of her papers on crypto, cybersecurity, personal data, and its relation with the self-sovereign identity. Then there is Tan V. Ratna, who is more into blockchain policymaking. Then I got a friend, uh, Gyana Lashmi, who works a product manager uh, in emerging technologies at uh, Willy Publishers. She has worked as India lead for women who code and has been part of many such initiatives um, in blockchain, you know, especially in the events. We have Ms. Salini Warrior, who is the executive director of Federal Bank. So this is a bank down south in India. And they have led many pioneer blockchain projects in the banking industry. So in the last three, four years, I have met many university graduates, fresher females who are getting into the crypto and the blockchain related startups in the past two, three years and so. And the number is only rising. I have come in contact with women blockchain leaders who advocate technology, this blockchain technology in various different roles. Some are working on the laws related to crypto, some are entrepreneurs, and some have participated in the Ethereum ICOs so back in 2014 15 time. And some of them are in academia and educating uh, the youngsters, you know, blockchain and other emerging technologies. So many of them are silent workers. Like I told you about Susmita Roos. She's a scientist and a very silent type, more work and less talk type. And perhaps some of these names are not that well heard, but they do exist. So while the IT industry together has less than 30% participation of females, it's not practical to expect that we have 50% participation of females in blockchain space. However, there are a number of startups coming and the government is also supporting them. And I'm pretty confident that many of these women, youngsters especially, would make it big. And soon from 30%, we would reach 50% occupancy in the coming years. In terms of female founders and inclusion in India and in the blockchain space also in general, I do feel that we are still not a lot in majority. We are still uh, less in number. But working in the Ethereum space, which is and also in open source software, right? I feel that in this space, women have a strong voice, whether they are participating in technology. I'm more focused on the growth and marketing aspects. It's through our work that people respect and they see what value that we bring to the ecosystem. Blockchain and open source in particular is a place where you see people from across the globe, uh, different colors, different nationalities, just joining. And all they love is the fact that we are building something which is decentralized, which is 
away from you know centralized control and that's basically what i think the passion for each and everybody is so from a diversity perspective i think we definitely in the blockchain space not just in india but overall across the globe there is a big gap but i think one thing in india is that now that the online and the remote uh, work or even uh, access to content is becoming more and more online remote all the meetups everything is becoming uh, online i think there is an opportunity for the diversity growth to happen drastically i think everybody is putting in a lot of effort to bring in special grants for female owned blockchain organizations or female owned companies even otherwise there are a lot of vcs who are working towards funding female ceos so i think we are improvising and even in india that kind of government is also focusing through different programs for women empowerment through niti aayog etc so there are a lot of interesting programs coming up there are a lot of initiatives that are happening but in terms of diversity i think we are not there yet that is my opinion we still have a long way to go but everybody is working hard to kind of create more and more uh, of these kind of initiatives to welcome women so there are a couple of bounties if you see which are specifically for you know open just for women in hackathons if you are a team of like 50% women then you can apply you know for this particular bounty etc there's almost a 25% increase in the workforce in diversity from what we were 10 years back but two things we have to note this change has happened more in the organized sectors like technology vis-a-vis the unorganized sectors that we still have a lot of work to do the whole pandemic has also taken to the forefront that this is not the forum to talk about it really but women were in any case doing double shift you know the housework and the office work you know this is over and above the two works that you're doing now you need to do kids education because of the pandemic and so on so it's put even more immense pressure on the women and now we are seeing that the women as you know some of the women who probably are not ambitious as the others are coming out of the workforce the second part also is that the women joining the workforce is declined in this one year for sure so there's work to be done however in the organized sector i think it has been very very good and you know you're talking about open source you're talking about flexible options remote working now makes it even more easier that we may want to call it especially in the technology sectors and uh, blockchain obviously is one of those key ones that that will encourage it what i also want to call out is you know you know i think i'm not the unique person there been many many ladies who have been as lucky as me in the culture of IBM because encouraging women is not a new thing it's just the culture having women leaders is not awkward it's just the culture and the most important thing having mentors that are women or men either of them that are encouraging you in this space blockchain duniya ko nahi bachaye And finally, what more is needed to see more comprehensive adoption of blockchain technology in the world's second largest country by population? Arguably, the world's largest blockchain network in the telco sector is a strong start. But we get the thoughts of Gurav, Raj, Debajani, Gokul and Sunil to close out what has been a truly enlightening episode.
So I'd love to refer to the one of the six laws of technology by Melvin Kranzberg. I think it's the third or the fourth law where he says that the history of technology is more determined more by the non-technical factors rather than the technical factors. So here the discussion goes into the parts where not what blockchain can do, but what blockchain can do in collaboration with the reality that surrounds it. That there is one thing that things that you can do on blockchain and the other is the existing willpower, the awareness around it and their ecosystem. Do you have enough people to blend in and create a working module? Normally what we think about how do you ensure e-governance proliferates is bringing in policies. But then how does a policy even come into place? A policy comes into place when the normal masses, the common people are having conversations about the technology. They are asking that so-and-so things are happening outside India, why can't they happen here? It happens when there is a knowledge dissemination in the regional languages. I think that is a big topic that I've discovered, which gets overlooked, that knowledge dissemination in the regional language is extremely critical. It's most important factor. The different domain experts, they need to be reached out. When this is done, when there is already a bubbling mass of people actively conversing and talking about it, when it becomes a part of a syllabus of students, when final year engineering students want to do their project in blockchain, when that kind of atmosphere is created, then when the policy comes into being, whether it exists or it doesn't exist, that's when uh, you could really expect uh, an explosion of the technology in a positive way. What is also most required is that the bureaucrats should be trained that we have to think of blockchain as much more than just uh, crypto exchanging hands from one wallet to the other. Because if we let go of this opportunity right now, I don't think anything of this potential and scale is coming anytime sooner. The first one, a lack of complete awareness. That's the first. Second, and a very major one, especially in a considering a country like India, culturally different, etc., very hesitant to change. It's just like asking them, don't wear your watch in the left hand, wear it on the right hand. They won't do it. Time will always be the same, but they'll never do it. It's very difficult. Bring the change management aspect was, I think, the biggest hurdle. Because everybody felt, if I'm going to use blockchain, is it going to be good for me? Will it collapse? It's not so tested. It's not so tried. Foreign companies can afford to take those losses. India can't. And then came another one, which is linked to this cost factor. India is a very cost and price sensitive country. It is. It's a huge country. You got 135 million people say, in this country. It's too many people. There is a lot of pressure always. The economy is always under pressure. However, we said, well, blockchain is, of course, one of the reasons we are going to try and mitigate it, the pressure off, basically. But still, coming back, the cost factor, they said, oh, are we to replace all our systems and implement some new blockchain stuff? Again, all stems from lack of awareness or lack of knowledge. So these three were the major hurdles which we raised. And of course, the lack of validation. Validation is very important for Indians. Very few of them are going to be the ones who say, okay, I'll take the leap first. So you've got to find the right leaders out here. That I have found as the biggest challenge. In India, blockchain leaders are missing. I accept that India is not as fast in embracing blockchain as the West. So like we cannot compare ourselves the way Europe has worked or Americas have worked or maybe Australia has worked. But then we have something very unique, which others might not have. There are so many companies, so many MNCs have started working in India on blockchain. We got the strength. So IBM, TCA, Swipro and Infosys and Datek Mahindra. But most of this blockchain work that we do actually for other countries. 
So of course, there are a handful of government projects like voting and CBDC. This would need a tremendous scaling. So we need to find out a solution which is scalable and can cater to 1.3 billion population of India. So in that sense, it is unique. So we have the manpower, we have the brain, and we got a lot of English-speaking people, which is the strength of India. But at the same time, we have to create a solution which can actually sort out this huge issue. If you ask me that what is the biggest identity database in the whole world, then it is Aadhaar. Even let's say that there's so many people in India who are uh, uneducated or semi-educated. So we had to train them that how to use the Aadhaar. And now everyone, you know, almost 90% or more than 90% people in India are having their own Aadhaar ID. Even the children, the kids have their own Aadhaar ID. So that is why we need to come up with a solution that everyone can use. So it has to be extremely scalable. At the same time, we have to educate this to the, you know, the mass that how to use this new technology. So here, there is a challenge, but there is also uh, what I can say, a lot of opportunity. And this is something that the rest of the world has to learn from because this kind of scalability you won't find in other countries. One thing I must say, even though we have very good blockchain engineers, blockchain Product managers, blockchain product strategists, that is a community which is only existing in the startup ecosystem in India. Blockchain product management or production rollout is a very, very, very sophisticated and very convergent skill. That skill requires not only, it's not about technology mastery, it's not about your understanding of the business model, it is about uh, your ability to attract a community, create a lot of uh, transactions, a lot of applications should come on board. This has not happened uh, even in government sector use cases, or even if you take the private sector, that I would say it's a little bit bitter story. So in India, things change pretty rapidly when you move from one state to another, when you move from one geography to another. If you talk about blockchain, blockchain definitely is a buzz right now. When you talk about top cities in India like Bangalore or Mumbai or Gurgaon or Delhi, people here now finally know that, yeah, blockchain is something. But they know that blockchain is something which is like a database or something like that. They may not know that what actually blockchain is, but they have heard about blockchain. But when it comes to tier two or tier three cities in India, blockchain is still a very new concept. For Blockchain is just something that is associated with Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin is something that gives people profit or losses. So we need more people on the entrepreneur side in India. We need more people with blockchain knowledge and understanding to spread awareness. So through your show, I am actually kind of appealing to everyone in blockchain community in India, particularly to, to spend their time in spreading awareness in community to educating community more about blockchain solutions. Thanks again for listening to the Blockchain Won't Save the World podcast. As always, opinions in this episode are mine and those of my guests alone. If you want to find out more, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, check out some of the other episodes on the Blockchain Won't Save the World podcast, and check out the YouTube channel, also called Blockchain Won't Save the World. Stay safe out there. As I say, it's a long way to Tipperary, but we are going there. We've taken the steps, soon we'll take the strides.